You're listening to The Hold Fast Podcast. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 8 of the Hold Fast Podcast. I am David Brandau, and today we're going to continue our series on the Bible. I've titled this series, The Bible, The Book, The Myth, The Legend. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this series is because as I look at the current state of churchgoers, when I see the lack of growth, the lack of commitment, and the lack of desire to be more and do more for the kingdom, my only conclusion is that people treat the Bible like a fantasy novel. The Bible cannot be real to someone who has no pursuit for God. So in this study so far, we've discussed the Bible's purpose and challenged the myth that the Bible is not inspired. But today we're going to take a different approach to verifying the Bible. One of the many things that make the Bible unbelievable to many is the miracles the Bible documents. However, the way I see the miracles is not that they make the Bible less believable, but more believable. The miracles of the Bible are very, very different from what you and I call miracles today. I have seen a lot of unexplainable things. I have witnessed events that if I were to list them all out for you, You wouldn't believe me. And this is where many people come to the Bible and say, this is so unbelievable. But people come to this conclusion because they do not fully understand what a miracle is. A true miracle. The miracles of the Bible are not finding money in your jacket pocket. They're not landing that job you've always wanted. The miracles of the Bible are extraordinary events manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Many people look at the miracles of the Bible and assume they are nothing more than a magic trick. There's got to be some misdirection, some sleight of hand, or other natural explanation that if we just figured it out, wouldn't make the miracles of the Bible so miraculous. The scriptural definition of a miracle cannot be explained from the standpoint of a skeptical mind. The scriptural definition of a miracle is God's intervention in the natural world. If you believe in God, you must accept a couple of truths. Number one, if God is real and God created this natural world, then God cannot exist solely in this natural world. Something cannot exist inside nothing. And number two, if God exists outside of the natural world when he intervenes, his actions violate the natural laws and cannot be explained by them. 
There are Christian theologians, preachers, pastors, and teachers who will tell you when Christ performed miracles, or even the Old Testament miracles, natural laws can explain all of them. I have heard some of these arguments, and I'm sure you have too. The ten plagues of Moses? Easy, volcanic eruptions caused all ten plagues. God simply used it. Moses and the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea? A natural land bridge in the area is visible at low tide. Daniel survives the lion's den? Eh, the lions were just fed earlier in the day, and lions don't need to eat every day. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You know those three guys that were thrown into the fiery furnace after not worshipping the idol in Babylon? Yeah, there was just a cold spot in the oven. Those are all real examples I've heard for reasoning away miracles. But if natural laws can explain the miracles, then I don't need divine intervention. All I need to do is understand more about the natural laws. I don't need God. But the Bible defines miracles differently. A miracle, as defined by the Bible, is God stepping into our universe and setting aside the normal, natural laws to perform a supernatural act. And according to the Bible, God usually does this in three ways. Signs, wonders, and mighty works. All of these are for a reason. Miracles, signs, wonders, and mighty works point you towards something. And what are they pointing us to? God uses miracles to show us his kingdom is real, his power is real, and he is real. Christians who try to explain away miracles by natural reasoning alone are doing the same thing unbelievers do. They deny the supernatural ability of a living God. And this is the problem I have with Christians who say, God did miracles back in the Bible, but he doesn't do them now. You can say you haven't seen them. You can say you haven't witnessed them. But a believer who openly admits God is but can't stand behind God does limits the limitless God. Christians will claim God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but turn around to deny the God of the Bible the ability to be who he is. If God did it in the Bible, he can do it again. And just to be clear, I'm not saying believe everyone who comes along and says they've performed miracles. But to say because forgeries exist, I can't believe anything is real is absurd. Miracles prove God is. But if naturalism is true, if atheism is true, and only what you can experience through the five physical senses is all there is, miracles cannot exist. If God doesn't exist outside of our plane of existence, then nothing can happen that can't be explained by the laws that govern this plane of existence. But if that's what you believe, you'll have difficulty explaining where this plane of existence came from. So why would I use miracles to prove the Bible is the word of God, to prove it's true and to prove it's what it says it is? For me, this is simple. If you remove miracles, you don't have a living God. 
The adjective living means active and functioning. Without miracles, the Bible is simply a book of philosophy. So if I wanted to know which God is the real one, and there was a book that is said to explain this God, it would have to have miracles. A God that does nothing is not a living God. So miracles are mandatory for God to be real, and genuine miracles point us to him. For miracles to point us to the true living God, they must meet three criteria. They must be perceived by the senses. They must transcend all natural laws so they cannot be explained by anything else. And they must have a divine purpose. These criteria define what a true miracle is. And if you think about it, they all make sense. If God indeed is using a sign and wonder or a mighty work to reveal himself to you, you must be able to experience it. A miracle is not beneficial for pointing to God if we can't see it, hear it, feel it, smell it, etc. A miracle is also not helpful for pointing to God if they're unclear. If God is revealing himself, you will undoubtedly know it. There is no mistaking God showing himself to you as something else. A miracle is also useless if it doesn't have a purpose. God is not a magician asking you to pick a card, any card. Miracles are not entertainment. They are not oddities to keep you engaged. Miracles reveal the person of God and they point us to him. So when it comes to the Bible, if you're a Christian and you are looking at this book to verify what you believe, if you're studying it and want to see the fingerprint of the divine, look at the miracles. They are the evidence of a living God doing things in the natural world, pointing everyone back to himself. So today I want to look at just one miracle. And it's probably the most significant miracle recorded in the Bible. And I want you to remember the criteria I mentioned earlier and see if it passes the test. Remember, a miracle must be perceived. It can have no explanation other than divine origin, and it must point us to God. And the miracle I want to focus on today is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And just for a minute, I want you to think about the weight of that verse. It is so easy to get used to the power of God, we can take for granted a verse like this one here in Genesis. Those of us who have been in the church for a while tend to get comfortable with the immense power of a being who created everything we see and experience and the laws that govern this natural world. It's easy to become complacent with what we believe about God if we don't continually remind ourselves of who we are in relationship with. And I understand I'm talking about some pretty basic stuff here. And I know there's going to be some people who are listening and they're going to say, okay, cool. I get what you're saying. And, but my response is, if you get what I'm saying, if you get it, are you living like you get it? If it's so basic for you, then you should be living it. But if it's basic and you're not living it, my question is, do you actually believe God is real? 
So in looking at the first miracle, we read God created everything. And two things jump out immediately. Number one, in the first verse, Moses does not explain how God came to be. The Bible just says he is. And number two, God is not part of what he created here. He is outside this realm, universe, dimension, whatever you want to call it. He exists outside of it. And if you believe this, you should have no reason to disbelieve any other miracle in this book. And if I take that statement further, you should have no reason to doubt any sign pointing you to God if it happened today. I've said in previous episodes that it's in God's nature to reveal himself to people and to think that God revealed himself through miracles in biblical times but no longer reveals himself that way today. My question to you is why? To say God limits himself to only intellectual relationships with people means your God is not the God of the simple-minded. To say he no longer heals means he is not the God of those who need healing. To say you figured out the exact nature of God would contradict the Bible itself. I believe my God to be the same God who sent his son to be born from a virgin girl. My God is the same God who raised the dead, healed the sick, multiplied the loaves and fishes, and died and rose from the dead. And he never stopped being that God. And if you're a Christian who says God did it then but doesn't do it now, then you cannot believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about lying signs and wonders and false miracles, which means there must be true miracles. The difference between the lying signs and wonders and the true miracles is who they point you to. I've said this before and I'll say it again here. Any sermon, any teaching, any doctrine, any pastor, any person or message or miracle that does not push you closer to God or point you to God is not a messenger, message, or miracle from God. So if you accept Genesis 1-1, you must accept that God is. If you accept God is, then you must accept God does. So that's the first miracle. God created the heavens and the earth. And if we use those three criteria I mentioned a moment ago, is creation a miracle? Can it be perceived? We can all agree that the human senses can perceive the natural world. We can concede that point even if you don't believe there's a God. Can it be explained by anything other than God? The answer is no for the believer who sees the Bible is true. To skeptics, atheists, and unfortunately progressive Christians, they have other explanations. And very briefly, I want to address a couple of them. And I want you to think about everything you believe about God, redemption, and every other spiritual thing as you listen. As a Christian who believes my God is the God of the Bible, my explanation for the creation of the universe is simple. God created it. Those who disagree with that, believe 13.7 billion years ago, plus or minus 200 million years, 
all the matter of the universe was compressed into a single point until it finally exploded. From this explosion, the elements and stars and galaxies evolved. They don't have an explanation for what they evolved from. They just evolved. Five billion years ago, the Earth and the solar system evolved. Three billion years ago, the life began to develop. 600 million years ago, multicellular life began to develop. 560 million years ago, complex marine invertebrates and land plants began to evolve. Amphibians and insects began to evolve 368 million years ago. 350 million years ago, reptiles and flowering plants evolved. 100 million years ago, mammals and birds evolved. And 50 million years ago, the ancestors of apes and humans evolved. And just to be clear, my problem isn't science having a different concept of where everything came from. I have a problem with a modern Christian, the progressive Christian, who thinks that because intelligent people say the Bible isn't true, and show some data, they have to change what the Bible says and what they believe. Progressive creationism, or theistic evolution, blends evolution with the creation narrative in Genesis and says, we believe the Genesis account, just not the time frame it describes. And there's a couple of flaws with this idea. First, if the Bible is the word of God, then we would have to believe God doesn't have the fundamental capability of using descriptive language. If God uses the Bible to convict people of sin and offers a pathway to redemption, then I think God can describe precisely what happened in Genesis. Second, if creation, as described in Genesis, can be explained by natural processes, then creation is not a miracle. If you're a Christian, and you accept the theory that the earth is billions of years old, and dinosaurs were killing each other, eating each other, and a meteor wiped them out, and caused all sorts of death, disease, and destruction, then you've got a couple huge problems with your idea of God. Genesis chapter 1, starting on day 3 of creation. God closes each day by looking at what he made and sees that it is good. So here's huge problem number 1. There are diseases found in the fossil record. For example, in 2020, a rare bone cancer was found in a dinosaur's fossils. The same cancer typically found in children today and diagnosed in about 25,000 people a year. So if you believe God created everything, but the Bible gets the time frame wrong, did God look at cancer and see that it was good? Here's problem number two. If life has been going on for longer than the Bible says, and if people and things have been dying for billions of years, then death is not the penalty for sin, and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was unnecessary and meaningless. So the main problem with the Christian whose faith is willing to modify the word of God because of the words of men is they twist and contort it so much that it becomes worthless. 
God speaks through Genesis and says, I made you for a reason. I made everything, and when I was done, I said it was good or complete and perfect. Natural selection and evolution tells us the exact opposite. When read the way God intended, the miracle of Genesis is clear. The concept of evolution is the only thing that casts doubt on the miracle of Genesis, a concept designed to explain the origin of all things without divine intervention. And if you remember in the last episode, I told you to ask questions about why people want to change the scriptures. What is in it for them? Well, here are some clues left by some major proponents of the evolution theory. Charles Lyell, a foundational thinker and writer in proposing the earth is billions of years old, wrote to one of his friends and described the need to untie science from Moses. Lyell devised a method to erode faith in the Bible with quote-unquote scientific fact so he could not be attacked by the church in his day. And it worked. Today, people no longer tell Christians they're Lyle deniers or Darwin deniers, but science deniers. Here's another clue for you. Charles Darwin was inspired by Lyle's writings when he quote-unquote discovered evolution. Darwin learned from Lyle and wrote this. Lyle is most firmly convinced that he has shaken the faith in the deluge, etc. So he's talking about Noah's flood. Far more efficiently by never having said a word against the Bible than if he had acted otherwise. I have lately read that direct attacks on Christianity produce little permanent effect Real good seems only to follow from slow and silent side attacks. Charles Darwin's views on evolution were shaped on the idea that if God is real, then good people, like his father, brother, and his friends, are suffering never-ending punishment for denying his existence. Because they rejected God, Darwin, Lyle, and others orchestrated an attack on the foundation of the Bible that was so sneaky and devious, the church bought it hook, line, and sinker. So at the very least, there is evidence that at the foundation of the age-old debate of science versus the Bible, those who helped shape modern scientific thought were not disinterested parties who sought only the truth. But again, I don't blame unbelievers for making war with biblical truth. I expect it. Romans chapter 8 verse 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. It isn't the role of the unbeliever to believe the word of God. The blame for the condition we live in now, where Christians struggle with their faith in the words of Genesis, lies squarely on the shoulders of the church and Christians who accepted the words of men because of their lack of faith in the word of God. Personally, I refuse to kneel at the altar of science when it challenges the God I know to be real. 
I will not bow to the God of men's knowledge when it defies the word of God. Call me whatever you want, but I will not compromise on that. What we as believers need to understand about science is science by its definition in systematic study attempts to explain the natural world through natural laws. The scientific method makes no room for the divine, and a miracle by its very definition does not operate within the confines of natural law. Science cannot explain divine origination, because it's not set up to. Science can only explain origination if we assume the natural laws we observe today have always been. And in that, science has done a great job explaining how this world came to be, if natural law alone were its foundation. But as believers, we know there is a creator. And we know that the creator dictated the universe's origination in Genesis chapter 1. God created the heavens and the earth. And if you want to further build up your faith and trust in the word of God about creation, I would encourage you to look up answersingenesis.org or watch some of their YouTube videos. They provide more information regarding the topic of creation than I have time for in this episode. But for those of us who believe the word of God, creation is the first miracle. It's perceived. Criteria number one. There's an attempt to explain it through other than divine means, but it cannot be explained by anything other than God. That's criteria two. And finally, what is the miracle of creation pointing to? All creation points people to God as Paul writes in Romans chapter 1. In verse 20, Paul says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The first miracle is a miracle that points everyone, everywhere, all the time, to God the Creator. And because it is so blatantly obvious, according to Apostle Paul, it's the basis of judgment for those who choose to ignore it. Not my words. Paul's words. I would encourage you to go through the Bible and apply those three criteria to each miracle as you read it. You'll find they're all perceived. They cannot be explained by natural means, and they all point us to God. I hope I gave you all something to think about in this episode. I hope I explained how important it is to understand the Bible in its entirety is the inspired word of God. Not just the parts we like or fully understand. All of it. If we don't hold fast to the truth, look what we allow to challenge the faith of generations of believers after us. Until the next episode... Hold fast.